We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to Making Mizzou This Week. Uh, brought to you by 360 Vodka. Can't thank them enough for sponsoring the show. And I want to welcome my co-host Tommy Saunders and our special guest, the best tight end in University of Missouri history, number 45 from Ray Moore Peculiar, Missouri. Missouri's own son, Chase Kaufman. Missouri, Chase Kaufman! Couldn't have, couldn't have done it without you guys. I really appreciate everything. You pushed me to what I became. <laughs> Would expect no other answer other than that, man. Um, but thanks again for coming on the show, bud. Tell us what you're up to, man, and how things are going. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys asking. Uh, so currently sitting my sitting in my office um, down on the plaza, BMG Advisors, doing financial advising. It's something that I felt like um, – you know, number one, I, I I really sparked an interest in this because I wanted to manage my own money. And then number two, um, something that I kind of got from you, Ruck, is, you know, what are people always going to need? And, that, you know, that led to construction for you. And, you know, everybody's going to need money uh, and be able to handle it wisely. So <laughs> that's something that I felt like was a good opportunity to get into, as well as the flexibility um, of not... You know, I, I I don't think that I could ever just sit at a desk or in an office or a cubicle from a nine to five, whatever that is. Yeah. And so, you know, started down this path and shadowed a few different companies. And this is ultimately love the people here, love the the vision of where we're going and, and how we serve people, not just at, you know, at one level or another. But, you know, we can we can help people that want and need the help. Um, so that's that's what I've been doing for going on almost three years now. And then my wife, Stacy, and I have been married over just over 10 years. Congrats. We got yeah, we got three three little ones at home, seven, five, and two. And so uh our youngest is getting his last four teeth and, and it's cool. been a madhouse. <laughs> but it's but it's awesome. <laughs> That is awesome. You know, it's funny because I, we're not in football anymore, and I've got three of my own now, too. And um, everybody's always like, man, how do you adjust to life off the field? How is it, you know, not playing anymore? And I'm like, well, my house is basically like a locker room. Everything's broken. 
it smells really bad yep. and there's clothes everywhere. So like, yeah. it's pretty much yeah. the same thing, right? Can't have, yep. can't have nice things. Just <laughs> Not at all. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so how was that transition? I, I don't know what you tell us what you majored in in college, but I don't think it was finance or business or anything like that. But how was that transition from going from football into a completely new, I believe, a completely new hang world on. for you? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Listen, <laughs> listen. We have the two greatest tight ends of all time in Missouri history, okay? They almost changed the name of Mizzou to tight end university after the legacy that you guys started. They, we started pumping out tight ends like crazy after you two. So let's make this podcast, this episode about the All-American tight ends, Martin Rucker and Chase Kaufman, and talk about both your guys' transitions. Because, Ruck, we haven't talked about your story um, which is similar to Chase's. Like, you guys both had great careers at Mizzou, and you guys had great careers at, in the NFL, but you didn't have Jeremy Macklin $50 million, you know, careers. Fair enough. Right? So you guys are <laughs> you guys are getting out of the league at what? How old were you, 27, 28? And you're going through, you know, what I went through and what a lot of college people go through at, you know, 22, at 21 years old and trying to find their career and what they're going to do with their life. And you guys are married, you know, getting married, starting a family, and you don't have a career. You don't, you know, you're trying to find your purpose. And how do you have this? You have all this potential and this, um, where you had this outlet, and now you don't have anything. You know, both of you guys kind of talk about that transition. How did you guys get to where you're, you are now? Go ahead, Chase. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I guess back back up and you know. Game, game day, game day, we, you know, we have a good game, whatever. We have a great organization, you know, Mike Alden, Gary Penkel, you know, all of our staff and coaches and, uh, you know, trainers, strength staff, you know, all those people, Tommy Saunders, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of great pieces to the puzzle, right, that made us really good at Mizzou. And Ruck and I, I feel like, and, and you too, Tommy, like we all did our, our part. And I think that, you know, everybody in our circle that played in that team would would tell you that, that, you know, everybody kind of bought in. We did hold each other accountable. And that's what made, you know, a lot of two and three star guys and all Americans and NFL Absolutely. potential. Right. And, um, you know, and then you go from from that to, you know, my story is a little bit different from Rooks. I, I broke my foot the very last game of uh, the very last offensive play of the game in our senior year, Tommy. And so, you know, this dream of going, hey, let's 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 graduate early. I graduated in three and a half years, um, followed Ruck down the hotel and restaurant management degree. And, <laughs> yeah. and that, that was like for me, you know, hey, this is this is it is somewhat along the lines of business, you know, running a business, kind of figuring out all the different aspects of running a business. But I also got to cook and eat and graduate and put on weight, you know, for an, a tight end that was wanting to put on weight. And so for that, right, I thought that, you know, I'm hey, I'm going to graduate early. I'm going to have all this time to just put straight towards working out for the combine, working out for pro day, all that stuff which I went to, but I never got to actually do anything. And that was probably the most frustrating part. 
and then getting drafted to uh, Cincinnati. And do you know do you know Ben Utech at all? You're that I know name. the name, but I don't rem- so I don't he, know him personally. He was a tight end from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was a free agent with the Colts. Ended up winning a Super Bowl with them with Peyton Manning when they played yeah, the Bears. That's right. In Miami, um, he had he ended up getting a good second contract with the Bengals and was somebody that kind of took me in as I got drafted there and was that one of the one of the veteran tight ends on the team that was trying to help me out making my way and he actually was in Kansas City yesterday speaking at a breakfast that I went to and and caught up with him and he he talked about this um championship mindset and championship focus that they had with the Colts and I feel like that's some somewhat of what we had at Mizzou you know from the top down again and towards the end of the speech he said and then you know he he went to a little bit more toxic environment and my whole table that that I kind of knew just kind of laughed and looked at me and <laughs> I was like uh, uh, you can keep you know, it real on this podcast, man. All, all you can do, all you can do, is right. Whatever situation, and I'm going to put this, you know, life, football, parenting, marriage. Um, you know, you take what you have and you control what, what you can control, and that's something that I know we've heard a million times with, you know, coaches that we've been around. Um, is control what you can control, and so um, I got cut twelve times. I think over the span of an eight-year career, played for six different teams, and and then you know kind of jump into this. What's what's next? What do I even like outside of football scenario? Where you just have to take that step of faith. And and I did a lot of um, asking around people that I felt like were uh, successful in in following God in their marriage and in their business to kind of see how they got to where they are now. And that's ultimately what led me to, along with wanting to manage my own money, um, financial advising. And so I figured, you know, if nothing else, if I hate this, it's not for me, at least I'm gonna figure out how to manage my own money well and know something more about it. And I had this coach in Tampa, or sorry, he's in Tampa now, Keith Armstrong. He was the special teams coordinator at the Falcons while I was there. And each year at the beginning of training camp, he'd get up and say, you know, everybody that's not, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, like you better have your butt in the seats and paying attention in special teams because this is where you're going to make the team. Um, And the reasoning is, you know, it's like this, this job provides a lot of benefits to you. And one of them, you know, is, is the paycheck. And I know money's not everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. So, if you don't want to be here, then, you know, all right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And that's something that I tell people, you know, through financial advising today is, you know, it's what do you, what are you working for if it's not for money? Right. Like there's there's money and a passion to serve others. And so you put those two combination of things together and hopefully your passion to serve others is big enough to where like you're helping people on a level that really provides them value whatever that is. And then in turn, that'll come back around and hopefully compensate you. And even if it doesn't, right, like God has programmed us mentally and physically to get joy out of giving and serving others in that capacity, which is um, which is a pretty neat concept. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thanks a lot so, for sharing that. And 
so I know that you're really huge in your faith. <laughs> and so it's really cool. And that's one of the things that I admire the most um, about you is how forthcoming you are about that, whether it's, you know, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, where that stuff's not supposed to be there. Like, no, it is supposed to be there, especially if that's who you are, because I really appreciate that you bring yourself to every scenario, every situation. Like it's, uh, I do a lot of stuff in the community and, you know, we go to a lot of events and invite you to a lot of events. And sometimes when you go places, you like have to worry about babysitting the person that you're bringing, um, making them feel comfortable or different things like that, you know, and you're one of those people where it doesn't matter where we go. Um, you're always going to be on time <laughs> and you're always going to be yourself and you can, <laughs> you know, you're, you're always going to be yourself, but it's not like a obnoxious, gregarious. It's a something that's endearing. It's something that it's very genuine and people can tell that about, you you know, and um, that's one of the things that I admire most about you is that you're always yourself in pretty much every scenario that I've ever seen you in. And so I just appreciate you being a good friend to me. And um, it's been awesome watching you on this journey to become a financial planner, taking the series tests and taking all the lunch meetings and doing all the things that it takes, because it's not easy to go ask people, whatever you talk to people about money, period, right? Like, Everybody just kind of ugh, they grab their wallet wherever they can. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're trying to make it more, it doesn't matter. And so, <laughs> no, I'm not you know, taking it. I'm right. helping you manage it better. <laughs> borrowing it, and then I'm just going to get a little portion of what I helped you. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, I just admire you so much for that. So, um, you know, I just want to give you those roses, you know, while you're still here. Uh, make sure yeah. that I say that. I appreciate it. You know, just to take a little bit of that question, Tommy, that you know that you posed. For me, um, I got here because I was looking for. I love to help the community. I love to be able to give back. Uh, and so when I got done playing football, right, I uh, just happened to randomly be playing in a, a rec basketball league. I was uh, playing rec basketball in North Kansas City, and one of the guys on my team that I had never met before was in real estate development. He's like, hey, I got this thing that you should you should take a look at this real estate stuff. And so um, at that time, I'm making my transition and I've got a couple of mentors that are helping me transition, you know, from um, sports, from the NFL to the real world, as I call it. And, you know, it was really cool because Chase mentioned, you know, all these great people that we had in our lives at Mizzou. And when I got done playing ball, the first call I made when I was trying to find a job was to Mike Alden. Never called him before, never emailed him before. Um obviously is always open door and things like that and interacted with him a million times, love him, but had never just reached out to him. So I call mm -hmm. him and I'm like, Hey, I am done playing football. Do you know anybody who might be hiring or where I could start to look, possibly look for a job? And he said, I don't, but I'm going to speak in Kansas city tomorrow, tomorrow morning or in two days or something like that. Do you have time to meet for coffee when I get there? I'm like, sure. Seven o'clock in the morning. So he books a meeting seven o'clock in the morning. He meets me. He asked me what I want to do, what I'm interested in. And um, I tell him, you know, I have no idea. And so this was before the basketball thing. So we have coffee. He goes to this meeting and it's at the carriage club on the plaza. So there's a, you know, a decent group of uh, successful people there. And he says, I've got this guy who is looking for some mentorship into a career field. Does anybody want to help him out or would anybody be willing to take him on? I get a couple of phone calls out of this, and one of the people is Gary Forsey, who was like 
president of the university and uh, high up at uh, KCPNL at the time, him and another gentleman named Neil Douthat, who's a financial planner. And so started meeting with those guys. And uh, then I start playing basketball, get interested in real estate development. And then I start really thinking, okay, what's never going to go away, right? Like I know that I need a job right now, but I also know that I don't want to work for somebody else forever. I can't sit behind a desk nine to five, just like you said, Chase, for the rest of my life. It's not going to work. And so, okay, well, what career field could I go into where I could also own a business later on down the line? And I started thinking of, okay, healthcare, never going away, but I'm not going to med school. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you graduate in? Hotel restaurant manager, <laughs> baby. <laughs> hey, hey, Chase. But hey, Rutgers got his um, executive MBA, so don't don't throw his uh, undergrad out there. You <laughs> know, this man, this hey, he's a he's a professional now. He's an executive. So I'm I'm still uh, repping for Kaffner down at Mizzou, though. Don't hey, get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> hey. no, I mean, that's what I said. I followed him into it. <laughs> uh, so you know, healthcare. I'm not going back to school, uh, at least not at that time. Uh, funeral homes. People will always be dying, right? Eh, kind of creepy, though. I don't really think that's what I want to do, at least not right now. And so construction, it's something that's always going to be around till the end of time. And robots aren't going to be able to do it all. But the day that they can be the guy controlling the robots. So I took a job at uh, Kissick Construction. I worked there for six years. And all the time that I was working there, I and I started out on the street. Like we were building a streetcar here in Kansas City. And I started out in the ditch, working 12-hour days, learning how to put waterline pipe together. Yo, I, re Brooke, I remember day. driving downtown <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning in December. It was freezing cold outside, and you were holding a stop sign. And I was like, Brooke, I just saw you with the Chiefs like two years ago. You're holding a stop sign in December. It was crazy, but that just goes to show your personality. You're ready to work. I mean, that... The thing that you guys and um, humi the, the humility, right? Right. To go start something brand new from the bottom. That's hard. It, it really is. I think it was says a lot about what people don't understand about football players and athletes is that what makes you great is also your weakness is your focus, your ability to focus on football and your athletic ability. Um, is what makes you great, but then also your focus causes blindness. You can't see everything. You're not looking at all the different aspects of life and the other things you need to be building at the same time because, you know, it's we were groomed to be any type of plan B is a distraction from your plan A, right? Which that is just not smart to do. You know, <laughs> you can right. go you can go a hundred percent after A and still have these other plans or um because you do it in football hey if they if they press inside i'm gonna do this if they press outside i'm gonna do this if they you know like we have that in our game naturally and so i the thing that's great about you guys is you guys were able to break out of that cut ties and go right back and like Brooke, start from the ground up hey let me learn this business first and so yeah keep on going i don't mean to interrupt you but i think that's one thing that needs to be said is that you know it people always wonder why these athletes like you know can't Move, make the transition. Well, it's like you were groomed to focus on one thing your entire life, and it's hard to break it out. And there's I nobody there to help the, coach anymore. One of the biggest things is that identity, right? You get the identity, yeah. and then that that uh, coaching piece that you talked about. So, the identity portion is like you're a football player, and like yep. once that's done, then who are you? And one of those mm -hmm. things that helped me with that was 
obviously my upbringing, my parents were phenomenal. So I knew that I was much more than a football player, but somebody who helped me put like a name to it was Jason Witten. And it's the term flip the switch, right? Like when you go from high school to college, it doesn't matter how many times you were all state. And, you know, if you held T record at negative two yards at Kearney high school, like all that stuff is over. It's, we're in Mizzou now. Nobody cares in the stadium what happened. And, that, and, that, and that's why I you know that's why I took the back seat to you guys in college because I beat both you guys in high school. You know, we went to back to back state championships at Carney. You know, you know what? Like I can't take all the shine here in college, okay? Let me let these guys go be all Americans. I'll sit back and take my role of, you know, catching the hitches and getting third downs. And let you guys shine, you know. I, I you know, you guys should thank me. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> but it's that's, the same that's thing. The as when you... team we, that's the kind of selfless team we had. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. But, like, going from college to the NFL was the same thing. You got to flip that switch. It doesn't matter when you were drafted. It doesn't matter how many yards you had. Like, this is where you are. And for me, that was also one of the hardest things because just like Chase so eloquently put it, he went to Cincy. I went to Cleveland. Like, we just climbed our way out of the basement at Mizzou, and we had to do it all over again. Only we were on a team where nobody was bought into the team, and everybody was getting a check. So it didn't matter if we won or not. Cats was getting paid, and they was going home. And it was just mm-hmm. so draining. Not to go back yeah. down that road, but go ahead, Chase, because I know yeah. you want to say no, something that's a, about that's that. a good thing. And not to, you know, bash those programs or whatever, right, because, you know, there's a lot that, that we needed to learn as young men as well. For sure. Um, but it's so much it's so much different when you get to the NFL because there's not that sense of family, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that, you know, I've, I've heard – with teams that have made it to the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl, that there is a lot closer camaraderie, right? And I can imagine that and that there would be. But you see so many times that, you know, the NFL is a business and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Tom Brady, if he's if he doesn't perform this year, Aaron Rodgers, if he's not performing, people are talking about him being gone. And, you know, that's the case. Each each day I know for myself in the NFL, every day I was like, man, like, did I do enough today right, <laughs> to to be around next tomorrow or next week? I remember missing one day um, when we had our son midseason and like being scared to call the coach after having our, our son at one o'clock in the morning and and say, like, hey, like I need to I need to take care of my wife and my, my daughter doesn't have anybody to watch her today. Like are you, are you going to cut me or can, can I actually miss today until my in-laws get down uh, this evening and I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> and that, like that feeling of, I, I think that's what the majority of guys go through. All right. There's not many, the average career is maybe three years. And so there's not many guys that, that really have the time to like sink in and, and live outside of that, like put those blinders on, go do your job every day and try to fit in as much as that, that team needs you. And the crazy part about it is, is like, you shouldn't have to that much. Like when you were talking about that, like having kids now and understanding it's not just about what you go through, but like what your wife goes through and like Mm -hmm. the support that you need to be there. But also that's a very real feeling that, 
I might get cut because I need to take care of my family. Like that's just a crazy, crazy thing to me, but it's 100% real, right? Like that is wild. And I can remember like knowing that you did enough, but it's still a business. And I remember leading the Cowboys in receiving in the preseason. So you would think like, you know, you're going to get, you know, some pub and like you leave them in receiving, like you're going to get some opportunities. We played the Jets Monday night, 10th anniversary of 9-11, come out, game is crazy. Um, I think it made a couple plays on special teams or whatever. We had four tight ends on the roster. A dude on defense got hurt, and mm-hmm. Des Bryant got hurt. They had to bring in a receiver for Des Bryant, and they had to bring in another cornerback for the defensive dude. And since I was number 53 on the roster, I got cut so they could bring in a new corner. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong. But that's just the nature of that beast in that business. And right. that you talk about growing up real fast, like that stuff as much of a, um, and I tell people this all the time, like I'm so thankful for everything that the NFL yeah. um, gave to me. But at the same time, like I discovered a lot about myself um, mm-hmm. because of, or in spite of yeah. <laughs> the NFL, you know? Yeah, but, but, I, but yeah, I agree. Sorry. Uh, like I agree completely with that. And it's, it's, it's taught me it, right? Like I told you how many times I got cut. And you too, Rock, and and Tommy, even with the opportunities that you got, right, and that you've had since, um, and we're we're still here, absolutely, <laughs> right. Let's you let's, know, my, let's keep going and be productive in something, right. That's probably the best part about that whole experience is it doesn't matter what happened, you still yeah. got to live, and yeah. you still got to be successful. So like, that, who cares? <laughs> and then that feeling of getting out and being like, what the heck was I doing wasting my time playing football when I could have been this far in my career by now? A hundred percent. Oh, man, it's so funny. Well, Nobody Rob, will understand Rob, that. <laughs> not at all. Well, talk about that, um, about just like you talked about, Chase, the mental toughness and dealing with your emotions and the, the anxiety that comes with you know, the fear of being cut and all and everything that goes into that, but then still going out and have to perform, you have to be able to flip that switch. You have to figure out how to deal with those emotions. And at the time, you're not at a place where you're like, I'm dealing with my emotions and I'm going to figure this out. Let me meditate or whatever it is, right? That's not how it is. But you figure out a way to do that. So, Ruck, how did you take that? You, you know, how did you take that mindset and what you learned in the NFL into your career because like you said you i saw you holding a stop sign you know how did you get from there to where you are now in your career and how did you use that mental fortitude to to get there it's all about having a goal right like from the time i was in sixth grade that was when i decided i was going to play professional football now i was a naive enough kid to where i thought whatever i you know when people tell you you can do whatever you want to do whenever you're young you just got to work really hard and yep. stay out of trouble and get good grades well, that was what I did. So in sixth grade, I was like, oh, I'm going to play professional football. So yep. I worked really hard at football. I kept my grades up and, and it worked out. And so it was kind of like the same thing is I knew where I was going. Like it didn't matter where I was at the time, because if you're, you know, if you're blessed enough, uh, life is a really, really long time. And you've got a lot of time to be successful and then fail <laughs> and then still be successful again. And so <laughs> I knew where I was headed. And I also had like a, a really deep faith in God and he really guides me. And so I felt like I was following the path um, that he wanted me to follow as well. So just like knowing who I was and knowing where I was going, because I can remember being a kid and, you know, 
dudes that I ran around with, you know, wanted to do one thing. And they're like, bro, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? Or how come you won't do this? And it's like, because I'm trying to get a scholarship so I can then go to college for free. And then I can play in the NFL. And I thought I was going to Nebraska. So I was like, so I can go win a national championship. And then I can get drafted at least one spot ahead of my brother. And then I come and have this, you know, this NFL career. And so it was the same thing is, okay, yeah, I'm out here holding the stop sign. It is freezing cold. But like in five years, I'm going to be wearing a suit. Hopefully I'm going to be eating, you know, at these banquets, talking to these different guys, making deals. And then I'm going to be providing for my family like I never have before. And I'm going to be building a legacy to where my kids don't have to play sports. They can if they want to, but they can own the team possibly if they want to or something like that. I think that's also part of being on successful football teams is you don't do it for yourself. You do it for your teammates. You do it for those around you. And you're setting an example for the younger guys to come in and continue the program on. And that was, you know, ultimately our focus there at Mizzou was if we didn't get to the top, if we couldn't win the national championship. We were now starting to get recruits like Chase Kaufman, Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin, that those guys were going to get to the peak. We were going to lay the foundation as best we could give them something to build on. And so that's really what my mindset's been, you know, since I got to Mizzou. And so once I got done, it was like, okay, how can I lay a foundation for my team now, which is my family, to then take it to new heights and be better business people than I am or whatever they want to be? How can I give them a foundation to do what they want to do with the rest of their life? Yeah. Um, to, to like piggyback on that, right? Like, I think that's like two things, passion passion and compound interest, right? Like everybody's every seriously though, everybody's heard of compound interest and it just happens to, to be, you know, what I do now, yeah. but like when you have a passion for something, so for us football, right. And, you know, luckily praise the Lord, we were all blessed enough to play at a high level at the university of Missouri, but we had a passion for that. And we also had some gifting in that specific area of playing football. Right. And then, we had this compound interest of putting work in, putting work in, putting work in, building these habits, you know, learning from some high level people and having those those high level people bring more high level insight and perspective into what we were already trying to do. So we had this passion that made it, you know, more uh, or easier to continue following that goal when things were tough, right? Like during the summers, during, you know, times we had losing losing games or things went not our way, right? But that passion is still in your heart to do well. And then the compound interest is like, man, the more times that you do it and do it and do it, you have the opportunities to, to succeed, right? The more days you show up, you have the opportunity to, to, to get a win, right? If you don't show up, there's no opportunity, right? No matter how hard you sit, sit at home and think, you don't have the opportunity. And if, if, you know, for some reason, it's not a passion and you're in it, it's going to be a lot harder to get up and go through that when it's tough. Right. And that's something that I think that we as athletes have all been able to see and really kind of been forced through, um, you know, from a from a young age, mm -hmm. you know, a young age where when you go through those things, you don't necessarily know the lessons on the other end. But looking back for us now, it's easy to see you know, how that's paid off and like, man, what praise the Lord for that, for that blessing. Because like you said, Ruck, you know, hopefully we have a lot of life left to do a lot of good. Yep. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, you guys have always been yourselves. 
since I've since I've known you. And I look, I think about pregame, and you got Ruck. Uh, Ruck's in the mirror looking pretty. He's doing his eyelashes, putting his, putting his black tape on. He's cutting his wristbands, making them look great. He's running around getting a drum before the game and hyping everybody up, yelling at people's faces. And you're over there asleep, like literally asleep in the corner, right? With that towel wrapped your, up. With his towel wrapped up asleep, not saying anything, getting your mind right, whatever. You guys both had different styles before, and then you get out there and you lead the team differently, right? Everybody looked up to you. You know, how important is knowing yourself and knowing your faults and your weaknesses and what it takes to get to where you want to go? Um, and how do you, you know, basically like these players that are that are going through this now, that are going through, if they're going through a losing season, they lose a game, like how important is knowing yourself and knowing – your ability and what gets you to the right place or how do you discover that and how have you guys applied that to, you know, in college football and into your life now? Go ahead, Rick. So, <laughs> um, I mean, it's like, that's how you operate. Like, if you, I don't know how to be anybody other than myself. Uh, and I think it would be, it's hard enough in the world to be yourself. And so if you're trying to be somebody else as well, like, Man, I don't know how you make it. <laughs> but the other thing is, is just that genuineness. Like people can tell when you're phony, when you're fake. And so people respond to that a certain way. And when you're a genuine person, people respond to that in a lot better way, in a lot more positive way, uh, whether that's business or whether that's sports. And so like you guys would have known if we were faking the funk. And sometimes we were, and sometimes you guys did. But like sometimes it was really hard out there and you had to fake the funk. And so people understood it and they started faking it with you. And then like everybody right. started faking it together. And then the whole thing turned into a positive situation. Like, but that, but that's being genuine <laughs> that like at the same time, yeah. you know? And so offense is awesome. Let's go. Exactly. Right. Let me run another one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> can't, can't wait to do it. coach. Can't wait to do it, coach. That's it. And so, you know, people can tell that and people feed off of that in the same way in the business world is everybody goes through struggles and everybody goes through trials. But if you're genuine about where you are in life, people want to help you, especially if you're not doing well. Like if you're not doing well and you want if you if you show that vulnerability, people will want to help you. Um, and it's just one of the craziest things to me. And it, it's the same way in your marriage. Right. Like if you and your wife are in an argument or whatever, like say you mess up. If you're genuine <laughs> in your response to like, oh, my gosh. I totally messed this up. I am so sorry, babe. She'll come along with you and be like, oh, okay. And like the outcome is so much better. The communication yeah. is so much better. But when you try yeah. to like fake getting mad or, you know, come up with excuses or something like that, she gets even more mad. And then by the time you get to the end of it, you come back to your vulnerable self anyway. It just took an right. extra hour. You lost some sleep. And, <laughs> and now you got to apologize even more. And so I think yeah. that just having those uh, scenarios and just going through being yourself over and over and over and knowing who you are, knowing who I am and God was really who helped, what helped me having such a supportive family uh, to know that it didn't matter what I did. All I had to do was try my best at it. If I was a janitor, just be the best janitor you could possibly be. If I went out and tried to play professional football and it didn't work, I could come back and my parents loved me the exact same. 
So knowing who you are and being rooted in the right things, um, I think has really, really helped me. And just being honest, like, hey, I want to start this business. Not really sure where to start. Don't really know what I'm doing. Think you could give me some help? They'll introduce you. They'll tell you everything they know. <laughs> and then they'll introduce you to six more people who know more than they do about this topic. And before you know it, you're off and running. And that's just really the way things work. And then you're able to, in turn, turn around and do the same thing to someone else, or you're able to help them as well. And so that's really what it's about is not just getting the blessing, but being a blessing as well. And people mm -hmm. can tell that also. And they really want to help people who want to help others and who want to help themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, we've all heard it too. Actions speak louder than words, right? So um, something that I've, that I've always tried to do is, and, and I think we've all tried to do is, you know, not just, not just say it, right. <laughs> not just say that we're going to be this or that, but like, okay, now where does, where does the rubber meet the road? And like, we, we have to actually like do something to, to prove that we are what we say we want to be or where we, where we go, where we're, we're wanting to go. Um, and kind of like that, where, where you started rock is, you know, how do you stay that same person? Um, and I think there's like some core like values of, of what make up who we are. Right. And as long as you keep those, those things intact, right. What you said, rock, Tommy, you know, you're, we're meeting with different people and trying to ask them, you know, how, how have you done it? How have you been successful? And there's no right or wrong answer necessarily because each person's situation is going to be a little bit different, right. but man, if that, if that helped you get to that spot, I'm going to give it a try and okay. see if that flows for my situation. And sometimes, yeah, there is like, you know, it, it just takes a while to get going and you need to understand that too. We need to understand that. But like, just like your gifting, right? If it's not your gifting to be, you know, a calculus major, then it's going to take a lot more time and effort for you to graduate in calculus or, you know, whatever, whatever that is for you, right? If, you know, you're not gifted to, enough to be a football player, it's going to take you a lot more time and effort to be as good as somebody who is gifted in that, right? If you're, you know, for me now, right? For you, Ruck, in, in construction, for me in advising, Tommy, for you in real estate, like if you're not passionate and at least a little bit gifted in that, you're going to be taking time away from other important things, right? We all have marriages and families that are important to us. And so, you know, making sure that you are in a lane that you are passionate about and are gifted in, right? And then figure out what fits you for you as far as going forward in that and kind of what niche or what opportunities that you have, because, um, I mean, again, I think there's, there's this situation where you feel like, man, I have to be this, I have to be right. this kind of business person. Yeah. I have to be this kind of financial advisor working with this type of people. Well, if an opportunity arises over here, right. And people need that service, mm -hmm. man, I can be joyful. Yeah. Yes. Coach, you know, let me have another <laughs> chance. Right. Yep. Like, I need I need to take that opportunity and do well with it because you never know what what that turns into and what knowledge that kind of gives you just like football and getting cut and getting you know going through the, the ups and the downs you don't necessarily know like you, nobody wants to be in a situation where they're down at halftime and 
having to, you know, go go fake it through the locker room and pump everybody up. That, hey, we still have a chance to win this game. And people are like, no, we don't. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to be in that position. But if you yeah. if you actually step up to the plate and take take control and, you know, there's some things that have to go your way, of course, but you get through that. <sighs> You yeah. know, the next time it's that easy, that much easier. And that's, I mean, again, kind of going back to Tom Brady, that's what that's what's made Tom Brady who he is. Um, uh, people believe that they can win even if they're down, you know, 28 to 3. Everybody knows that number now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bruce in the pudding, man. Yeah. Right. Um, I think one thing you said, Chase, about, you know, actions speak louder the word than words. As an athlete, there's something about seeing physical change, whether that's, you know, your weight going up in your bench press, about the work that you put in the offseason and then seeing your numbers that next season increase. You working on, you know, press coverage and you're able to get off the line a lot easier. There's something about that physical manifestation of those improvements that you're making and then be able to make those transitions into your business into mm -hmm. your life and your family that are slower right if you you know um are trying you, to work on relationships yeah you don't get to see the win as quick yeah where and so i think whenever as an athlete as you're able to see that this these physical things that happen quicker you know it allows you to gives you the the um, ability to make those changes as you move into transition to your life right and so but that also builds confidence and you guys have always had confidence ever since i can remember playing you guys in high school like ruck like you guys were not the best team at st joe Ben, right <laughs> okay guys, hey, I, hey you weren't the best team but you still carried a, a swag and a confidence about you that you carried to mizzou that at that time we we're a pro style offense and only you know one tight end plays and you're like i'm gonna go play at mizzou right and so then and then Chase, you know, tell me why did you go to Mizzou? What was your decision to go to Mizzou when you knew that Ruck, he was, you know, coming off his red shirt year, you know, and um, was projected to do big things there. You know, what what was your, you know, confidence, your ability, your skills of why going to Mizzou? Um, I mean, I, there was a lot of prayer, number one, that was put into that. Um, and I felt like there was there was something good happening there, right? Like I was I was a receiver. We didn't have a tight end in our offense, and we were kind of going to the spread offense at the time. So I could kind of still stand up and do what I already did, you know, well in high school, and build on that into college is what I was told. And so, you know, I this the thing that they said is like, hey, look, we're going to find the best people to play, and that's not necessarily one tight end or two tight ends or you know what or or if you guys aren't good enough the receivers or wherever wherever that fit in and i mean that's what i was you know luckily my dad was able to have an opportunity to play in the nfl and that's what he taught me from a young age too is just to continue working hard right if that's your goal if that's your dream continue to work at it and and find a way so no different than ruck kind of going into that situation you know I, hey if they're if they say that they're going to find an opportunity for me to get on the field. If I can fit, then I believe them, which right. unfortunately across sports today and college and in a, in a professional, 
uh, is not always the case that people go by their words. Um, and that's unfortunate, but you know, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. You know, that right. You're a different people. podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. A whole nother, whole nother episode. But Ruck, to, like what got you to Mizzou? You know, you said you wanted to go to Nebraska. What got you to Mizzou? So coach Pinkle and coach Hill, they promised me that they would always get me the ball and that they was always have a quarterback there to get me the ball. And at Nebraska, they were still running the option at that time. Um, Coach Hill is a heck of a recruiter. Man was at my high school every week. He was eating lunch with me and my friends. He had my friend's phone number. I mean, everything. So I could tell that they really wanted me, but all of that thrown in there. In 1997, my brother was at Nebraska. They were playing Mizzou. Mizzou's been trash bags for a long time. And so, you know, that's usually a bye week game, right? Back in the 90s for sure. Uh, Nebraska comes to Mizzou. Mizzou's actually good. And Faroe Field is packed. It's a freaking nut house. I mean, these fans are rabid. And it was the first time they'd been good in so long. And Mizzou almost won the game. It was the, the kickball game where it went into like double overtime and Nebraska receiver kicked the ball that he dropped and guy caught it in the back of the end zone and they ended up winning. But as a 12-year-old kid, I'm sitting there like, with my fingers in my ears because it's so loud and I don't know whether to cry or whether to pass out because I'm about to see Nebraska lose a football game for the first time in my life. But at the same time in that moment, I'm looking around and I'm like, man, these people are nuts. They just haven't had anything to cheer for. And so I remembered that, you know, um, five, six years later when it was my turn to make a decision. And I thought, you know, I could go to Nebraska like I planned and help contribute to winning another national title or I could go to my home state school and try to bring back the the good football tradition that we had way back in the 60s and 70s and like be a part of the turnaround. Like how much more rewarding would it be to be a part of the team that brought Mizzou back to national prominence and gave all these crazy fans something to cheer about again. And so that coupled with the dream that Coach Pinko and, them and his staff were selling, not just myself, but everybody, I thought, absolutely, I want to be a part of this. And uh, I've, I've got great pride in where I come from. You know, everybody knows I'm from the South side of St. Joe. And so, uh, that's one and being from Missouri, you know, that's two. And so to be able to do that, be a part of that turnaround for my home state school, that, uh, those two things, three things, four things had me sold. Right. And I'll tell you what, you guys are really blessed to have the careers that you guys had at Mizzou. And I think the biggest blessing you guys had was that, you know, Brian Barman, uh with the team you know he was uh the best tight end that we had uh going into your guys's you know chase your your uh freshman year and rush redshirt freshman year and his camp was insane he's catching drag routes at his ankles behind his back getting big hitted you know and so i just hey you guys have been blessed because i i would be having a podcast with brian barman if um he went a different route Hey man, but, shout out to Brian Barman. Hey, shout out Brian Barman, the, one of the coldest tight end I ever played at Mizzou. I'll tell you that. How about that? <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but, but, but seriously, right? Like to follow up on that, like that's that's the truth. You, I mean, we had good players, kind of with some depth, but, and a lot of it, man, right time, right place, and just having the opportunity, showing up. But, if you don't show up, you don't get that opportunity. But this is the thing: is like you got to be, you got to make the plays when they count. Right. Like, yeah, it's one thing to make to make plays in practice, 
And whenever, you know, people get the opportunity in the game, you know, mm-hmm. I chase Hoffman gets an opportunity in the game and he hurdles somebody and goes 45 yards for a touchdown. Like, I mean, catching a, catching a one-handed drag route is real cool for a six-yard game. That, that's, that's nice, right? But you guys always stepped up to the plate. But one thing that, um, you know, thinking about is that you guys played at the same time. You guys were teammates, right? Mm-hmm. I never once um, thought – I didn't think about it until right now. Like, I never once during college, like, thought about you guys, like, mad at each other or there's any, like, um, confrontation about playing time or number of balls you guys were getting or number of looks. And you guys played the same position. Like, how was that? Because it, it's so interesting because we're all, like, great friends and, like, you know, going through the same experiences and we're hanging out and laughing and whatnot. But then it's like when we step on that field, like, I'm coming for your head. I'm trying to be the starter. I'm going to win, and I don't care. I hope you drop every, like, I hope you drop every box I want to win. Like, <laughs> I want to be the starter, you know. But you're also at the same time. It's like that killer mentality. Like, hey, I'm trying to get win my spot. I'm trying to do the best I can. And but at the same time, like you're trying to build your team ups and win. So it's a really interesting dynamic that you go through. How did you guys handle that uh, in college? Uh, yeah, pretty simple answer. We weren't getting paid at the time, so no. <laughs> nil though. Yeah. Would change, huh? Yeah. No, I only got a, like a, another minute, but um. I think the coaches did a good job of like, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna give us the opportunity to win, we're gonna try to get you the ball. And if Ruck, if you make a good block when Chase catches a pass, or Chase, you make a good block or something like that when when Ruck catches a pass, like we're gonna call that out just as much as, you know, the cop pass, mm-hmm. right? So they did a good job of implementing everybody being a big impact to the success of each individual play. Yep, I would agree with that, and I would also agree that everybody was there for the same goal, right? Like they did a really Mm -hmm. good job at making sure that we were there to win games. And I think negative energy brings negative results. And everything that we did was focused on being our best for the team. So it was never like, I hope Chase drops this ball. It was like, man, I hope he catches this ball so we win. And I wasn't focused on him Mm -hmm. in a negative aspect. I was more focused on cheering him on and that kept my spirits up and it kept me focused on just trying to play great and just trying to be a great teammate and a great, the best football player I could possibly be. That's probably the best yeah. way to say it is everybody was just trying to be the best football player they could be. And not only did that help us personally, individually, but it helped us as a team. Right. And so Chase, I know you got to get out of here, man. Really appreciate you being on the show. Hate to end it so abruptly, but again, I we really appreciate your time and we appreciate our sponsors, uh, 360 Vodka for um, sponsoring this show. Anything else you want to say to the folks, Chase? Man, thank you guys for having me on. I always enjoy your company and your presence and uh, and the encouragement and enthusiasm that you bring. Likewise, uh, it's, buddy. it's free. Yeah, for sure. Enthusiasm <laughs> hey, is free. It's always free. You get as much as you want. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Chase, man. Thanks, Chase, man. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.